0: It was at this moment that he knew. He bucked up. Welcome. You're listening to fucked up with Sam Buck.
1: fucked up. fucked up. Now you have
2: fucked up. Just telling you, I was listening to dog food smoking in the car. And yeah. man, I'm excited for more music, but that album's like timeless. I love that album.
3: Yeah, that was the intent. We wanted to do that to make it sound uh, in such a way that it, it will continuously be contemporary. You know, a lot of great... You know, jazz is this. It doesn't get old. There's no it such thing mean. as old jazz. You know what I mean? <clears throat> For real. And,
2: and some people, like, say... They have jazzy beats, but you like have jazzy like you're. It's different. Like I grew up, my dad would play me like Fela cootie and The Last Poets, and like right. just really like experimental shit. And so I like when people are experimental today, and I feel like your shit is that.
3: Yeah, well, I kind of come from that. Uh, Umar Ben J- Ben Hassan from The Last Poets is my my uncle. You heard? It's like family. So oh, really. I- yeah, my, my mother uh delivered uh two of his daughters, Sabria and Aziza. I was right there and seeing them come out. My mother's a, like a was a celebrity midwife in the community. She also delivered Bradford and Wit Marcella's children, as well as the uh Oscar Award winner, uh, Terrence uh, Trent uh, Terrence Blanchard, excuse me. I was about to say Trent Darby, <laughs> Terrence Blanchard. Re- wow! So, so you were so like, I have a background in jazz. I like you were I'm, in it's really it. Really, my yeah. first background. Yeah. Wow! For so real. you
2: were like growing up with. I mean, the the creators.
3: The I met Miles Davis. Uh, um, I met Miles Davis. I met um, Art Blakey. I met um, it's like some uh, James Baldwin. I met James Baldwin, uh, at a jazz concert. You know what I'm saying? For real. Wow. So i got a lot of uh, Giancarlo Esposito all the way to um, Spike Lee and all of that, just hanging out with Bradford, you know?
2: You have such a deep knowledge of things I would never expect. I mean, we were talking about stand-up comedy and who you love, and it's the same. You just have this deep knowledge, and it really shows in the work that you put out.
3: No question. No question.
2: But you came up, like when you grew up with music around you I mean if your uncle is the in the last poet, I mean you're growing up with so such a knowledge base before anyone even knew were they popular when you were born
3: well I, I want to say um with with the themes and the music that they presented they were extremely popular in a in a in a community that could could be considered in a way underserved culturally. So not in a popular sense in popular culture, but they have emerged to become figures in a marginal sense of a popular culture, whereas where we can say like my uncle Umar got stuff inside of the Smithsonian and inside of the uh, African-American museum uh, there in Washington, DC, you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. that branch of it. So when you talk about fame You know, I don't think Shakespeare was famous if he was alive during his time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's just progressively become popular when um, when your contributions become more honored in a sense, you know?
2: It's true. Well, it's it's funny because I grew up listening to that. So like as a child. So I guess to me it was. That is kind of especially being told this was the this was before rap. This is what rap came right. from i mean this was the grandfather of it before anything before even before it was even a genre yet
3: right right
2: and that's comes that's why it's so funny i mean i had no idea listening to your albums it's you have that same feel. when did you start making music were you making music when you were young
3: no actually no i started making music uh in my house independently on GarageBand. I just started making loops and shit in like 2000 and like 12 or 13. I had started doing like independent little runs of film for my brand as a, as a consciousness teacher. So I, I, I used to have to apply audio to my visual streams to just dis- enhance them. So it made me, you know... Look for for like nuanced music that goes specifically to what I'm trying to express, and then it went to that endeavor to me making like little small little contributions. I swear to God, people would like I'm totally ignored shit right years <laughs> ago, right to so now people is hitting me up like, "Yo, this is amazing," you feel me? But it really started. And this is when I stopped getting so much ignored. It started with Planet Asia, yo. He, I, I called him one day, and I say, yo, let, let, I just I just called him because he picked up the phone for me and shit. This is years ago, and I'll be like, yo, listen to this, and I'll be trying to spit my little raps and shit. The sound, if I can, if, you know, he's the rappingest rapper in the world. He is super nice. It's it's yeah. only gonna be he's a one up. It's only gonna be one Planet Asia, right? And no problem, I think, yeah, yeah. What you said? So prolific, Planet Asia. Super prolific, for real. So I'm like, this, I said something. He said, Yo, come down here and say that on this um record. And I was like, <laughs> Come on, man, stop playing with me, man. <laughs> He's like, I'm dead ass serious, man. Come down here right now. I'm going to see you the address. So he sent me the address. And I was like, I went back to my crib and I was like, I ain't going, man. You know what I mean? And then something told me, I said, Nah, no, fuck that. Go over there. For real. Don't be afraid. the shit you sitting up making it in a secret, go over there and do it, right? So I promise you, yo, if you hear me, the lyrics, I think Apollo Brown used the lyrics on a remix, but we had did, um, this is before i of Mess Stevie, this is an older song, and Apollo Brown had did a version of it, and I forgot who the original producer was, but, um, Was it? It might have been Apollo Brown. It might have been the initial um, producer. But I know one thing, um, I was starting to get hit up after that, like, yo, what the hell are you doing? I didn't know that you could fucking rap. And I still don't feel like I can. I feel like I just do poetry. And if you listen to Dog Food, a lot of it is really improv. Yes. So there's some parts that I, I would approach like I'm reading it. And then I'll digress. And then I have a thing about I don't want to sound contrived. Thus, I'm not going to record over. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if it, ta- if it takes me too many takes, I'm really not interested in the no more. Cause now it's like I'm trying to do it as opposed to actually doing it. We so came up, up with can... the jazz.
2: The jazz is in the moment, improvisational, live. It's not like how many takes can we get
3: till it's perfected. Right. Right now oh, however, I've been in uh, <clears throat> BMG studios as a child and I've been in a big orchestra hall and seen jazz recorded and how they isolate each of the instruments and I have I have seen Winton and Branford, both of them in separate like instances do anywhere from... 30 to 40 takes, my brother. You heard take a break and go right back. And then they sit down and they listen to the versions for a few days to pick out which one they're gonna fuck with. I promise you. So you know it's um after after being in obsessions, you like master the you know where everything is at, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. You know that you know all things, and I'm I'm saying all this to say that uh, uh, hip hop is a vocation that requires, just like a trumpet or saxophone player, practice. You know what I'm saying? So it always, you know, it it it's the instrument itself, the voices. You know? Yeah, for real.
2: Well, you were talking about Planet Asia telling you to come over and spend. Like those are the omens in life. You know, you pro- have you probably right. read The Alchemist. They are like. The omens in life that, and you went, you could either not listen to it and just be like, no, this is going to be a secret, or you went and you had such a deep knowledge. And it's funny, you talk about, you know, that you want it to be like, it's like poetry. Some people don't even, so some people know you just for your like speaking, you're, you're, you know, and that's, that's poetry. And, you know, who made the sunshine? Like that's poetry over a book, but that's, you're not even rapping. And some people know you from that
3: too. Right. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Westside. He's a legend. He's another brother who um, who opened a, a massive media door for me as well. Pushed me over the media wall to allow people to see um, what I have to offer in other areas, in particular, my teaching. So uh, that's a real obscure world to live in, to be uh, an African-American male who teaches Jewish mysticism. So I kind of confuse both spectrums. I can I confuse Jews oftentimes, and I confuse my own folks oftentimes. So yes. I'm I kind of like, um, and I've been tested in both realms. Uh, one of my students, he was uh, bodyguarding, um, very extremely rich Jewish family. Uh, their son, their son went to USC, and They are responsible for, can you imagine this? Who puts the wires inside of skyscrapers? (laughs) That type of thing. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the brother who's a bodyguard, he he says, yo, man, come over. My boss want to ask you some questions. She really just want to test your sword. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? To see my level of acumen regarding the vocation of Jewish mysticism, Mm -hmm. if it is a vocation. So I went over there, and it was just an amazing experience. It also showed me my depth of information is profound, you know? So she was extremely impressed, but as a damn near a billionaire, the type of paper they're getting is amazing. She expressed to me the method and modality as to how to take myself out of the marginal area of teaching that, because usually – our Jewish brothers and sisters in the diasporic experience, they usually tend to, if they go to a Kabbalist, they go to someone who has a tradition in the teaching of it that can all all, uh, often go back to like the 12th and 13th century. You know what I'm saying? So you got like distinct lines. You even got a line of rabbinic figures who've been teaching Jewish mysticism since the 15th century in Morocco. You know what I'm saying? So um, she said, as far as my story is concerned, because I picked up the, the mantle and the torch in prison, which is another interesting thing.
2: Dudes you got in prison into Jewish is, my, my, uh, mysticism in
3: prison? I promise you, I did my whole 20s in jail. So not in parts, like six months here, a year there, no, the whole thing, you know what I'm saying? Twenties, yeah. like gone, jail, bang, click, uh, clink, like this, over. And then I came home 31. And I was like, I had read everything that you can read. I got into Western philosophy. I got into uh, statecraft, esotericism. And I really liked uh, mysticism and esotericism. And this is like right before everybody started talking this Illuminati shit, right? I had already had uh, in my mind, Uh, a demystified point of view for esoteric concepts. So I kind of understand why humans participate in spiritual Mm -hmm. practices. It's not for spooky reasons. It has a lot of reasons pertaining to just the formatted way of how psychology exists within the psyche of those who are trying to survive. There's a lot of gauges and uh, justifications made by the mind to have certain type of thoughts that are transcendental regarding the human experience. They go beyond into the spirit realm and into your thinking processes. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm like, it's not, it's not like a, you know, not to offend any um, listeners. It's not like a external God in control of all things. That wouldn't be fun. God wants to give you some, of. Uh, the chances to participate in the reality that has been presented for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, I
2: think hallucinogens play a big part of that. I I don't know if you've got, but like when I did DMT, it really yeah. it really opened up my my mind to the realms of spirituality and to a higher power that I didn't realize was there before.
3: Well I participate in the spirit all the time.
2: <laughs> oh so you understand I love yeah. I love it, r- mushrooms and I wish, wish I could big, give
3: you some right now I I'll do be too like I, I wish You're like
2: I could. yeah bro yeah <laughs> I would take it with, trust like, me yeah. Yeah, yeah. it wouldn't have been the first episode I've done while tripping. I've done a few but uh That's no right. it's it really does open up your open up uh, your world past what you thought was possible. When you haven't done it before, like trying to explain to people who haven't done it, like, have you
3: ever done DMT? Hell yeah. I did DMT. I did it in Northern California and it really helped me address the death of my mom. So my mom passed away and it was like real intense for me. And I didn't have the language to really create the, uh, the idealism that I have now regarding death that. Um, when you feel sorrow you have to transform your sorrow into praise you know what i'm saying i didn't yeah. know that until i took that trip and then that's when i really i really it, it, it took away all the discretionary filters that make you doubt and all of this stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. it keeps you grounded in your breath is what i feel because spiritually that's why i believe that the breath is the real person yeah it's the only thing that can't be taken you know, you can be brain dead, bro. You can't not be breath dead. Like, you can't stop breathing. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Until yeah. And the prior to your heart stopping, if your breath would have to stop. You know what I'm saying? For real. Your heart can stop and you can still, like, have the semblance of life. You know what I'm saying? But you cannot yeah. be alive without the breath form. So we are the breath in a sense. So when it divorced my body from feeling an attachment to the physical body and that my life force was in my breath form. So each time that I used to breathe in, when I, the, the trip, I love those trips because they really be like under five, six minutes, but the shit is so intense, bro. It makes you feel like you, you was can't high forget for hours.
2: About, yeah. Yeah. You can't forget about it. How old were you when you did it in Northern California?
3: I was, I'm 46 now. I was, I want to say I was 40. I was about 44. 44. Oh, wow. No, excuse me. No, I'm bugging the fuck out. I was about 40. You heard? Mm -hmm. About 40. Going and turning about to turn 40. Yeah.
2: And it's I was going through a uh, really, really dark patch in life. And when I did it and came out, it was as you it's it shows you that you are the person who can pull you out of that dark hole like your breath right. and your you know the the three breaths in and then close your eyes when you take right. the hit it's you learn right. you learn this um knowledge that can't you can't even uh, human language can't define it like i try to right. explain it and it doesn't work because we're not uh developed enough as a species i guess to have yeah. language to define what we feel when we're in those experiences
3: i i think i think um uh, what when we define language and we make it go and transcend just audible ability language comes in many forms where we can express it non-verbally we can express it through dance languages um uh, crying is a language you know what i'm saying uh art artistry drawing it's a it's a it's a language and you're right the cognitive forms of intellectual language building structure they they kind of cannot do the full justice of what you are experiencing communicatively from the cosmos it's like the cosmos is saying something and it's just using visuals to express it because if it tried to tell you like, make a left here and, like, make a right there and then go up there. It, it'll be just too much for your ass, for real.
2: That's why it's only – I it was 30 seconds. My eyes were closed for 30 seconds. And I came back mm. and I was like, what just happened? Like, that was – and I've eaten mushrooms dozens and do, – like, dozens and dozens and dozens and so many times. But it's it's a different experience. It's a – so I want to go back to you were in prison and you found Jewish mysticism, which is now what you give uh, talks, but how how did that happen? Mm. Well, you finish your you I gotta was, choose. I know how hard those are to get down. <laughs> Take your time.
3: So I was born into Islam. So I have a fundamental segue into linguistics of old. Mm -hmm. Arabic and Hebrew are sister languages to one another. They have a lot of the same um, prefixes, suffixes, and uniby and triliteral root word function. So from my Islamic background, I remember being like almost Lulled into Sufi mysticism, which is the mystical branch of Islam based off of my mother's desire to enhance her understanding of Islam. She went mystical. So when I'm reading later on, you know, I get in trouble. And that wasn't the first time I went to prison. I just, you know, that was the most time they had ever gave me. Mm -hmm. And I just got sick. And tired. I'm tired of doing it. You know what I mean? I'm like this. I'm not doing this shit no more. And I realized that I had to distinguish myself. So I said, what could I study that would elevate me beyond argumentation? Because even in prison, the most highly charged political conversations and religious conversations and should be turning into knife fights. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the shit have start with some simple ass conversation and turn into an ideological battle. Where nobody wins. So I was like, I'm gonna fuck around and study something that nothing can be argued about the mystical world. You know, you can't argue with me and tell me where heaven is if I'm trying to point out that I want to be there. or I'm pointing that that's where it's at. Yeah. You, you know. We only, you know, so I, that's one of the things. And then, I found that all the books that I was reading were always referencing Kabbalah. So one day, this old timer, this this elder's name was Josiah. He had a piece of a book called "The Secret Teachings of All Ages." He had a piece of the large, the the, 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 the they they up to like a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars now. The large one with the gilded pages and the beautiful pages and the pictures and stuff. You can get retail ones, small ones, the $25 one. But it's mandatory reading for everybody. They should have it. By Manly P. Hall. And just with a little piece of that book, I kept reading, 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 reading into the fact that religion is rooted in myth. And each myth is an archetype. I learned later on in my reading and these archetypes are timeless. We're born with them encrypted in our DNA of memory. You know, our memory's DNA is uh, all formatted on ancient experiences of old that there are some nuances that never go away. Humans, as long as they have them, there's never going to be a gene that eradicates jealousy. It's only going to have to be developed through a developmental state of development, developing one's psychology in such a way where you don't have to experience it. But without that level of development, no one escapes it, you heard? Mm-hmm. So I found that, like, what's the best way for me to um, not only enlighten myself, but I didn't want to be a jailhouse genius. And a jailhouse genius is somebody, you're going to be there for the rest of your fucking life, knowing everything in the world, but you can't use none of it. You see? So I said, nah. i seen too many of those jailhouse geniuses. You can ask them anything about history, about this, about that. They know every goddamn thing, you heard? But they did not know how to stay from going back to the penitentiary right? So I said, now I got to go into, so Kabbalah was the thing that I segwayed into learning how to learn. So I expanded my mind and gave my mind options to store and format experiences because I didn't have that before. So something um, good or bad, if you don't have a developmental psychology that enamors you with the ability to deal with it, you, you can hurt yourself with a gift. You can hurt yourself with a curse, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not initiated to know where to put it at. And this is what Kabbalah did for my mind. So say, say we go grocery shopping for the studio and we got canned food. And then we also got food that had to go in the refrigerator. If we give it to somebody that don't know where to store it, we could ruin the food. Somebody put canned food in the freezer, the cans might explode, right? Yeah. But, right? You know, somebody put uh, food that needs to be in the refrigerator inside of the shelf up there, it's going to go bad. So this is what the tree of life, proverbially people associate the Kabbalistic tree of life to Jewish mysticism. It gives you places to put 10 things that are universal in the experience of the universe, where to place them. So then, me and you can share a brotherhood if you memorize the tree of life and I memorize the tree of life. And I say, Hey, I want you to go to, we say we're speaking about, uh, so let's say we're speaking about mercy and how to bestow mercy on another human, right? What we would do is we go like this mercy go like this. Mercy lives in the right side of the tree of life and a sephiroth called kesed or gedula, right? Which means, so let me give you an example of what too much mercy is though, right? Okay. Say if you get paid every week, say you get paid $1,000 every week Mm -hmm. and on your way home, you see a 1,000 homeless people and every single one of them asks you for a dollar, right? Yeah. And if you, Mr. Mercy, Mr. said, by the time you get home to your wife, you would have given all of your week's pay away because you're so merciful. And what would that do for you? It would be 1,001 homeless people now. You see? Yeah. So there's a part of the universe that gives us discernment. It tells us no. No, not today. Perhaps another time. You heard? Oh, I gave you a dollar to this week. If I keep giving all of your dollars this week, my wife is going to leave me. I'm not going to have a roof over my head. It's going to be a thousand and one of us out here begging. You see? Yeah. Now, opposite stands true. On the opposite side of the tree, you got Geborah or, or packad, which means Deborah means strength, packad means terror, right? Uh-huh. And too much strength. You ever been around or heard about a guy that you know is so tough, and they say, hey, guess what? You know he got shot, right? And you're not surprised. You don't go like this. Get the fuck out of here. They shot my <laughs> man, the <laughs> toughest dude in the world. I knew he was gonna get fucking shot. Yeah? That's yeah. kind of the attitude. Because uh-huh. he's moving like a lion over time. You keep moving like a lion, you know, you go fuck around and get turned into a um a, a rug. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on an expedition. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> came and killed the lion ass. You feel me? <laughs> right. There's always someone up on the food chain. Right, right. So Speaking of food chains, you're talking about a hierarchy model for spirit as well as the physical world. So there's a hierarchical model. So uh, I, I wrote several books while in prison. And this is one of the claims to fame is that I was already selling books in prison three and a half years before I came home. And. I did a university lecture at Long Island University in Brooklyn, New York, less than thirty days of being home from prison doing them ten years. So how did that come? How did that come along? I'm a I'm a fucking manipulator, not an abuser. <laughs> my master manipulator. So I'm getting my books walked out of the prison by, you know what I'm saying, like this, yeah. and having them appear. And I'm organizing lectures from prison. So I was able to bring and organize my teachers to come and teach in my community while I was in prison. This is a known fact. So I got contemporaries um, like the brothers, my cousins, the red and the blue pill. Mm-hmm. They, they very popular on the internet. You know what I'm saying? In the community, brothers like Sanetta very, very popular in the community. Um, and it's a lot of brothers that I helped to um, put, into the community to speak. Like one of them is real significant. He'll tell the whole world that I'm I'm one of the people that made it so people will know him, brother Umar Johnson. He just was on uh, uh The Breakfast Club, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So these are people yeah, that-, that
2: clip went viral of him talking about uh uh Joe Biden and what he what what he's been doing wrong, right?
3: Right, right. I haven't seen the clip, but I've been hearing about it. People have yeah. been telling me. You know, in our community, that yo, he's lit like this. But I just seen him in Buffalo. Not the time we were in Buffalo. The time before that, when Gun first acquired the store, you yeah. heard, okay. yeah. So, uh, happened happened to have pulled into the city. He had a lecture in one of the most economically depressed parts of the city of Buffalo. The with it, you know, in quotations, the hood, right. And I went over there just on the strength of seeing that he was over there addressing that very underserviced, underserved part of the community with that, you know, glad tidings of a days to look forward to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For real.
2: Damn. Yeah. Well, then how did you meet? How did Westside start hearing of your speeches? Is that while you were in Buffalo?
3: You know what? This is another omen. This is another omen. I met Gunn on a mega bus in, 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 in Athens, Georgia. And I commented, because I'm not a hater, I commented on his jacket. He had a flight jacket on that said Griselda. And I knew that to be, you know, the lady with the, yeah. with the cocaine cowboys. Then he had a Confederate flag with like real army patches, like the real ones. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I know like exactly what jacket
2: you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the one like, he's wearing like, on him, like Hitler wears. I think the first one.
3: Yeah, yeah, that era. So I'm yeah. like, yo, bro, that jacket is crazy, right? So for the whole ride, that's about a 50 minute ride. We talking about? We don't say shit about music. We're talking about clothes, processes, and the shit, how to put the shit in certain, you know, he was sharing with me nothing about no rap, bro. He was just talking about his clothing endeavor. You Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the end of the ride, he says, yeah, and I do music too and pass me the CD, so, which I still have, right? Damn. And, I, and I'm looking, and I was fucking impressed because of the, it was Hitler too I met him. I see the mask and it was a brother that I I know named Ali Elmore, he's on the Instagram as a noble savage. He's one of my mentors as far as art and aesthetics is so I look up to him, you know what I'm saying? And he has like these anywhere from 300 to 700 to a thousand dollar hats. Hermes hats that he takes from old vintage Hermes scarves, which you know run up to those numbers, and then created these nice hats, like with the bill on them, like panel, real nice, yeah. beautiful shit. So I was thinking of putting silk inside of a ski mask, you heard? Mm-hmm. and I had even put it in one of my songs. I was, I was like, silk in the ski mask. We need this paper. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> Damn.
3: So then I seen gun with the ski mask, and it was like more affirmative to me, like this. This might be one of the things. And then it just I just fell off of it because I realized that you're gonna require sewing and all that shit. And I don't got no fucking time to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So boom. When I went and I used, I swear to God, I I I kind of don't like when people give me music. I would rather somebody sell me music. You know what I'm saying? So I promise you, I, I had like a little, because I'm a Scorpio, I'm like a, a fucking weirdo too in some many respects, you know? And I was like, I'm never listening to music that people just give me. Mm-hmm. But the image on the front of the disc
2: with the Chanel impelled
3: yeah. me. It impelled me with the conversation I say, yo, the shit he was talking was so fucking on point. This cover is so fucking on point. Let's see if he's three for three, right? <laughs> so when and I that's got one to of the hardest albums going, ever. Yeah. I promise you, when I got to where I was going, I put the shit inside the computer, with the disc inside, the, you know, one of the old Macs that had the drive in it. Yeah. So I'm I'm amazed. I said, "What the fuck is going on here?" I said, "He sounds like Ghostface Killer with Big L, freak, the, the, just talking about dope and and clothes." I said, "This shit is amazing." Then I was like, "This is because I had stopped listening to rap. I started listening to what I call classical hip hop, uh, Shabazz Palace." I was listening oh, to just that. So
2: good, so fucking good.
3: Yeah. So I thought the other shit was dead. I didn't even know they existed until I got into Hitler 2. And then I heard Holland Nash and almost broke my fucking computer. <laughs> I was like, yo, who the fuck is Conway, bro?
2: I remember He's the first time I heard genius. Reject 2. Yeah, I heard Reject yeah. 2 when I was like driving and I was like, I got to almost pull over. This is something different.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the experience that I was having searching and finding the um the music, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I had um I had listened to Hall & Nash one summer, maybe a million times. It's only like 365 fucking days in the year. You know what I'm saying? I had listened to it so much that It was like deeply ingrained in my psychology. Then one day, um, I was like, Yo, gun had called me because I gave him my number. Because I how told long him, I after said, this What?
2: how long, uh, had was, you met him versus him calling you?
3: I can't even remember distinctively, but it wasn't a long period of time with us not having spoken, yeah. Because I remember hitting them and telling them, like texting them. And parting like, yo, bro, that shit is official. You heard? I um, I got that shit in California with me. I'm playing this shit every day, and everybody around me got to listen to it. That type of shit, right? Mm -hmm. So, boom. Then he comes out with Hitler Three. I'm like, holy shit, this shit is right. I said, yo, this shit is crazy. Then one day, Gun called me after we had mad different conversations. Say, yo. Um, he said, yo, I'm coming to California. I said, beautiful. I met him out here in California. He came out here with Daringer and Conway. I met all of them guns um, um, with them. Boy, the shit was amazing. Right. Yeah. Right. This is like early on. And then one time gun called me and say he wanted me to be on an album. And I was like, oh, man, what kind of shit is this? This had is crazy, Had he heard crazy, your right?
2: speeches? Had he heard, like, you speaking? Yeah, like
3: yeah, because I told him what I do. You know what I'm saying? With the teacher, I guess he had saw And he said, man, or actually, I don't want to say it's so much the teaching. It was how we used to talk and what we talked about. He's like, I want you to talk your shit on this record, how we be talking, right? Yeah. So you hear that in Fly God. You heard
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So Flyguard is my how my brother helped me push me over the media wall. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. With that, That's a with legendary. That that's a historic. That album's gonna be looked back on like 36 chambers. Like that's right. A different album.
3: Right, right. It it really is. It's a classic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so um, like you have no idea how that I feel the next day. Like I, I submitted my and, he, I think I might have been the last submission. I was bullshitting. I almost missed that fucking boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I did it all in one take in a crib on my own compressor mic and just sent it, I guess I want to say the Derringer to, um, for the mix, right? And then um, like a, a few months later, whatever, I wake up and people blowing my fucking phone up. And I'm seeing this red cover with gun. Red cover. Everybody's blowing my shit up. This had never happened to me. Mm-hmm. Where people are sending me and sharing me, sharing to me, my voice on stuff. You're, of course, it has happened with Planet Asia, Paulo Brown, and them, right? Right. But for to get a new iteration of that in a from a whole nother, uh branch of brothers was ill for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was a good look, man, and it's still a good look for me. That's my bro, for real, for real. For real for real on uh, uh, the brothers changed my life man um planet asia west side gun is one of the most significant pillars in my uh my development you know what i'm saying dirty mm-hmm. digs and all of them so yeah. it was a real good thing for me to incorporate the music along with the teaching because the teaching alone is nothing people need a soundtrack to life you know what i'm saying yeah
2: has has he ever asked you to have you ever rapped with them? Or is it always just like cause I mean I work out to your like your intros on those albums? Like when I go for a run, I put that on because it just like it powers yeah. me. I don't need but like you I'll know what? To the black I, in, a Black Hitler intro on repeat yeah. like three, four times. That shit will kick me into fifth gear.
3: Yeah. Now this is the shit with that. I I don't know if Gunn was to ask me to rap, I think I would decline but on, on on because i would try to i would i, I i'm thinking that i would want to um uh, to maintain the um the ambiance that we created with disney and i don't want people thinking that that was the thing that i was trying to do the whole time yeah. yeah so all of the guys that rap um in their circle and the affiliate circles and all that those dudes are super amazing artists and i have i have a great deal of respect for the vocation of hip hop so I done seen these dudes perform. Them performances is a fucking amazing. You heard? Yeah. So I've seen, I seen um, Boldy perform. I've seen um, everybody from uh, Benny. Performance is amazing. Flea Lord performance amazing. Conway's performance is over the top. Conway
2: puts on one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, he do. You get
3: emotionally involved in that Mm -hmm. shit. And then, I'm so impressed by Gunn's ability to have them fucking raps all in his head, because if you see how he rap, he rap in a form where it's stock footage. It's darts. Back-to-back darts. Stock footage of images that postmodern art rap you gotta put that shit together and when you do if you're smart you get the most illest artistic experience for hip hop ever and it's and he changed the blueprint like my cousin red pill told me he said yo he said gunner done made it where you can't even sell Dudes, they talking about they do all this dope dealer. You can't be a dope dealer without also buying paintings and shit, and yeah. knowing about fine art. You know what I'm saying? Like this, the average dope dealer shit is no good no more. It doesn't it doesn't translate no more. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and it's. I was just talking to a uh, fuck next week a couple hours ago. He says hello, and uh,
3: he was that's talking. my big homie. That's my man. Yeah, yeah. He said hi. I
2: was just talking to him a couple hours ago. Uh, yeah. And he w- he said that Westside Gun is he's a curator, and I he agree. Is. It's he's a curator. That's the best way to put it. Like yes, it's like the gallery. You know it, it's an art gallery. It's not a store. It
3: is. Hell yeah, hell yeah. That's my homie Pounce. Pounce is correct with that. Gun nowhere. Right where to put you, according to your vocation. You heard like this, and if you if you I like this with this hip hop shit. They made it easier to to for real people who can maintain consistency and maintain long standing relationships to get the most you can out of this. Because back in the day, and the way the art form was, and especially in New York City, not New York State, New York City, it's a goddamn rat race of a dominance hierarchy where everybody thinks they're tough. You heard? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm so glad Griselda came out to show that it's not about New York City because they're not doing New York City music in New York City. You know, everybody sound like a little boy from out of town. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. All of even the producers, they all sound like they can't make, they don't know how to sample, so they go boop, 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 and then like all of the kids doing that stuff. Come on, bro. You
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know and then you got like 38 special out of Rochester. You got Griselda. Super out of... legend. He's a super legend. There's so it's not just you.
3: Were you you grew up in New York? Yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn, in downtown Brooklyn, but I grew up in a very special part of Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn called Clinton Hill. So around my way, I got Whitney Branford living there, Spike Lee lived down the street, Terrence Blanchard around the corner. You know, you you subject to see. Like, we had a female dapper dan named April Walker, you know, very famous. You hear Walker Wear, you see Biggie and Walker Wear, Jam the J God bless day, all of them and Walker Wear. You know, that shit comes from around my way. Um, rest in peace, Nelda, who, who they modeled Little Kim after. Mm-hmm. You're, it's an yeah. elder from around my way, like a female gangster. You feel me? So, it's a lot of context around my way for the culture. You know what I'm saying, as far as hip hop is concerned, and the aesthetic qualities of hip hop. You feel me? So it ain't nobody, ain't nobody really in the game that don't know no nobody that's that don't know nobody from around my way. You or bad style? You got to be tied into the artistry from Clinton Hill. This is a fact.
2: When did how long? How, when did you move to California? 2011. Oh, so you you've been you were in were you in New York most
3: of your life? Uh, yeah, cause you you figure I was born in Chicago, raised in Brooklyn, but <clears throat> from fifteen to thirty two, I was always either in prison or under supervision. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had a really um, intense childhood. You know. A t- intense childhood and teenage years was really like uh, intense for me, so it kills me. A lot of stuff they talk about and they rap about in these stories and these songs. That's why I love gunning them. They add an art to it because with all that gangster shit, man, that shit. As an elder, I'm 46 with a 12 year old daughter. It stresses me out. You heard? I don't want to hear all that stupid ass shit forever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. i want to hear some artistry and a little just put a this a little bit of information don't put it too much because i don't want the squares you know what i mean to, to say oh this shit is positive rap because i don't like conscious rap yeah and, the, and i i could be one of the most conscious people in the world but i don't really like conscious rap because it says to the listener it's almost insinuating that they're not conscious you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. It's like when you call down, it conscious rap. You're you're on like right. a higher peak looking down. Right. And I ain't with it. You feel me? So yeah. my shit is my favorite Jay-Z album is the most conscious one. Is the reasonable doubt. You know what I'm saying? Back-to-back bars are about life in the yeah. game if you want to live and you don't want to be dead or a junkie or a derelict. You know what I'm saying? I've yeah. got... He said, Hus, They gotta admire me for four fiends away." <laughs> yo, yo, Jay, Jay, the evils. You heard?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the that's Come one on. of my favorite Jay Z songs.
3: Come on, for real. So you know it's beautiful. We we uh, it's a pleasure to meet you too, brother. In uh, Buffalo,
2: yeah,
3: I met you. I met you and uh, quite a few other young people that. Uh, I didn't even know people really uh, acknowledge my existence. You heard? And not that I'm looking for it in the music thing because mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable as a teacher. You know what I'm saying? I enjoy that. And I'm really not built for the... Um, man, I applaud those brothers with that because uh, they, they, they they owe it. Now that you are so... All of them, uh, 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 from from the brothers out here to all the way to Buffalo... When you are noteworthy, known for your craft, oftentimes, you don't get gifts no more. Everybody wants something from you. You know what I'm saying? Um, You know, friends now, all of a sudden, everybody wants this and that and all this shit. And it gets so intense. And then it ruins friendships, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Shit could start where this was was y'all cool every day. Somebody start rapping, then your homeboy think he deserved to rap too. You heard all kind of crazy shit comes yeah. out of this experience, and those brothers are I applaud them for keeping the art first. You heard and not letting their environs overwhelm their confidence factor on how to deal with the community as they progressively become more successful. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the, the the people. The hatred of the people could kill you. And I've seen the people kill. They say they shit. You heard the Rolling Stones say, "Uh, who shot the Kennedys after all? It was you and me. You know what I'm saying? That was one of the illest bars ever. And that's, you know, they'll call that shit rock and roll, but it's all the blues, even hip hop. You know what I mean?
2: Mm -hmm. For real. It's all, it's it's weird. The, uh, uh, what, jazz, blues, rap. And stand-up comedy are really the only American
3: art forms. That's right. It's the last pure one is comedy to me, because it's it's uh, it's the last one to be where they really actually want to censor it. And I remember it was a time that all hip-hop albums had to have a little snippet from a comedian. From you hear Biggie had it. Yeah, he put Martin on there. You heard mm-hmm. a lot of great. Great joints had it. Um, the NWA used to put Richard Pryor on their joints, you heard? Yeah. Um uh what's that song? Uh Appetite for Destruction by NWA. They got a snippet of um uh uh Richard Pryor talking crazy on there. You know what I'm saying? In a contemporary way, but you see, it's uh we're here in the West. Uh, African-American males in particular, people are afraid of them post-slavery, you heard? Mm-hmm. and they keep inundating the culture with negative images of people of color, and we both know and everybody knows that all humans are gradated by, by what they know, you know what I'm saying, you can only do what you know, if you know more you could do more, so whenever you find a branch of uh, underserved educationally, of people who have been underserved educationally and nobody teach them who they are, it creates a vacuum in the culture that anything can occupy that shit. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta be very like, uh, I I ask people to look at the hip-hop as a spiritual system that has been an educational system to upgrade the mechanics of and unify the planet, and it's in danger, though. You heard, yeah, it's in danger because it it's always under pressure from either people saying it's too awful, or it's this too contrived, or is this too this, is too that. You know what I'm well,
2: saying? You were talking about this earlier. It's like comedy and rap stand up, it's like you can see it as a surface level, like it's a joke, it's a bar, but really under that there's like teachings and the farther down you dig, there's more teachings, but some people judge it just from that surface level and don't realize the deeper meanings to that shit. And that's that's where the danger lies is when people don't realize that there is deeper meaning to this. It's not just the
3: like surface level words that are being said. Right. Now, I I... I to you young man I tell you Freud got a book on jokes all you gotta do is google it it's a book on jokes and um, the subconscious meanings of humor you heard Mm -hmm. the shit is amazing I'm paraphrasing the title you heard but when you look it up it's a a significant um, offering to humans that you know I tell my students that the West was one, and they took the Western world with satire. Yeah, you know? we're in a we're in a joke that you know when they say sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Nah, sticks and stones will break your bones and words will fucking kill you. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, 100 yeah, percent It's like both yeah.
3: of them shits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this uh, and I also tell my students you know well-placed words and it's with words that we bend people to our will you know so one of the the um the prerequisites for public speaking and as a public speaker you got to be funny bro for real so when I was in prison we used to host a uh, event for Kwanzaa for the, the seven days of Kwanzaa we was in a prison that the Administration in the jail used to allow the gangsters, the killers, the rapists, the robbers, and all these crazy motherfuckers to celebrate Kwanzaa all in the gym at once. So you'll be up there and I had to host this shit. I'm talking to the dregs of society, bro. You feel me? Like yeah. that. And you got to make these motherfuckers laugh, man. You got to make them emotional. But you got to make them laugh. They got to laugh. And then you got to do the shit so well that the prison guards are sitting there making sure these niggas ain't sitting up trying to start a goddamn revolution with words. You say something crazy, you say something crazy, they going to be like, oh, you going to Attica. Lock his ass up. what you say? Like this. I swear to God. I promise you. So do you, could you imagine that you got to empower them Without sounding like you putting a fire in them in their back to be like this, what tonight we out of here like some Nat Turner shit? They gonna die like this book, but you gotta empower them without doing that, and then also allow a teaching moment to the those administering to the prisoners. Like, yo, can you laugh too? Because yeah, despite the fact that. We in a situation. These, everybody's here as a gangster, robber, and all that. You get to go home, though. You heard? Mm-hmm. It's got to be some a silver lining in that for you. You know what I'm saying? So I promise you. I used to have one that every day I put that I, I do a set where I have somebody that I know is funny because they in jail there's comedians. It's dudes that are extremely funny. One of my homeboys' name was Jamio, and he was so, from Harlem. He is so funny. He will, he will get at your ass without cursing. That's his thing. he don't have to curse. He was. I wish I shit. could do that. I can't. Oh god, he says the craziest shit. He had the whole fucking gym dying <laughs> I'm talking about my head. He was like, my head's so fucking big and shit. He was like, he said it. He says it's like a safe behind my head. You can open the shit up, and then I got a bunch of scrolls and shit inside my motherfucking head. <laughs> you know, he was killing me, right? And I used to say, I used to get at him because I used to say he looked like a fucking um, a gorilla, and that's why his ass is in the jail. He didn't even do a crime. They shot us that they waited to extradite him back to the zoo. So everybody <laughs> used to love that shit too. So we used to be getting at each other like crazy, right? And then our shit was. If somebody is getting into our jokes laughing too hard, we'll both turn and be like, hold up, what the fuck is you laughing that hard at? Then we get at your ass together. I, I, honestly, You're a fucking comedian. You're a stand-up comedian. I, I promise. And I seen the um, I seen the police even get mad at him trying to play, you know, on the dorm, trying to play, you know, mind your business, because the motherfucker get at your ass. Got at the police, killing his ass like this, saying the police when they tell you the boots because they be wearing the motherfucking police boots and shit. Jamie, I'm talking about the motherfucking boots look like they take batteries and yo, you you could walk up the motherfucking wall, man, (laughs) like this, (laughs) yo. It'd be so funny. You heard? So we used to always do this, and and I also noticed this that some of the toughest dudes in the world are actually funny as fuck, bro. And this is when it gets funny. If you can't take it, you're going to get your ass beat. Cause yes. you're going to turn it into an argument and the guy's just being funny, but he can fight too. So sometimes them must be the funniest dudes in the world. Well, we you heard? were
2: talking about the lion thing. And I know in one of your talks, you were talking about like tough and it's like, you don't have to be tough. Like you can smile, you can smile, you can crack jokes. Like you don't need to be the fucking like stone
3: faced all the time. You know what? Like, the toughest dude I, I know, he don't screw his face up, and I've never heard him yell. But this dude is the, one of the most dangerous men that I've ever met in my life. You heard? Super militant. He don't get high. He don't scream or yell. All he do is observe humans and then act appropriately and act accordingly. You heard? Like a mastermind. I promise you. So I learned in the in, in tenor being around real people that all of that oh shit like this you really saw you protecting something inside of you that you feel can be encroached upon so you got to put on a hard shell. It's kind of like a crustacean like a, a crab or a lobster his all his soft parts are inside so he gotta put on. And look crazy than a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for real. But you're.
2: It's that's why. I really, it's cool. Like what I like about going back to like Griselda, like Westside, is like how have like just laugh, he's like cracking jokes, like whatever. I've seen him like Conway laughing. They they joke. They say funny shit in their bars. They have like wrestlers on their shit. It's like. You don't have to take yourself so seriously. Yeah. Like, you, like I love your, 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 one of my favorite t shirts that you ever did was that Doc Ellis one. The, the,
3: yeah, yeah. The tripping one. Yeah. Cause it's like, tripping. tripping. Yeah.
2: You, he didn't, you don't have to take yourself so seriously. Like,
3: yo, he said he couldn't even see the batters for that yeah. game. He only could see, he could only see the tape that was on the, um, the bat catches fingers. He was pitching to the tape on his finger. He couldn't even see the batters, bro. Could you imagine?
2: No, I couldn't. I did yeah. stand up. I've done stand up on mushrooms twice, and that's pretty. and It's a pretty intense. Like you yeah. feel the energy of an audience, like. There's an energy, like when that amount of people are together, it's one life form almost. Yeah. one energy. And when you're upstage, you like feel it almost too much. It's too intense. When you're up there, (laughs) like what you were talking about, when you have to give the ebb and flow of the audience because you want to make them excited, but you don't want to make them too excited that they want to like revolt, you know, it's, you have to control them as a, a full being. Not just yeah. individuals. Yeah.
3: Correct. Correct. What I'm do real. you have?
2: What do you have coming next? When's your next project?
3: Well, you know, my major next project is my showroom. I have a large collection of books, art, and toys, collectible toys. And I collect a lot of Japanese toys and popular culture toys from the 80s. So I got Already at I've technically no bullshit. I got like, I got like two albums complete. But I'm very I'm a Scorpio. I'm very picky about my own shit, you know. So it's like nah. And then all these guys send those to me.
2: I'll judge them. I'll tell you to put them out.
3: Okay. So (laughs) and then I know all of these these guys that do all of these raps and shit. And then I'm listening to their stuff and I'm like, God damn, I, I'm not no goddamn rapper. This man is a goddamn rapper. And it should have made me get back into my books, into my other shit. You know what I mean? Until I get in the studio and then they like, when is this shit coming up, bro? Like that. You know, what I'm yeah, no, nah, that's that's
2: resistance. That's resistance yeah. holding you back. You gotta you're like don't, you have one of the best ears for beats, and your flows are just crazy like. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. fucking fiending for
3: more music
2: of yours.
3: For real. For real. But I'm 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 I appreciate that you saying that, but I'm far more interested in your showroom uh, and
1: everything.
3: No, nah, not even. I'm just gonna digress from that. I was more interested in the the new artists and the young people out that's gonna do some amazing stuff. You yeah. heard so I'm looking forward to um what what gun has in store i'm looking forward to the the next aaron cooks project is gonna be crazy then a shout out
2: stove god you stove speaking god reasonable drought i have the record you did the i love that album cover
3: shout thank out you. the album cover from reasonable drought you killed that thank shit. you thank you hopefully i just did his next album cover i did it the night before last so hopefully it gets approved and they use it and shout out to him and uh, I'm, I'm always looking for stuff like what is Rock Marciano going to do next what is Conway doing next you heard what's yeah. the next Free God thing what is who is um, DJ Muggs going um, um, next production thing you feel me what is Al D'Avino doing wrong streets these young people like that them is my folks you yeah. know for mm-hmm. real, for real, Uncle
2: John out of D.C. Uh, Uncle John is
3: a legend. I got Uncle John cassette tapes. They going up in my museum, not for sale, but for you know display that I'm really a part, and I know who is participants in the Renaissance in a real active way. For real, yeah, for real, for real. When are
2: you opening up the museum?
3: Uh, I want to say uh, I get the tick. I get the uh, keys for the space tomorrow. So. It's imminent. I wanna say within the um first two weeks of next next month. Oh perhaps. wow. Yeah. So it's like it's I'm gonna it's, try it's... I'm gonna have to come out and see the. Oh no, nah, you're gonna love it, bro. I promise you. For real. For real. There's
2: not For not real. anything like that. You what do you have like? Are you going to when the shit opens back up? Do like a uh, a tour of talks? Do you have any like? Do you have any of that planned or?
3: Yeah, I I just spoke to one of my elders in Chicago. I wanted to do a book tour, you know, where I um uh, where I travel, and not only do a, a lecture, a new series of lecture I'm doing called Learning How to Learn. I got a book in queue that. It's called a myth-making manual and learning how to learn. And when I go to these cities to lecture and retail the book, I am also want to do tours of bookstores because I love going into bookstores to specific sections and looking for certain publishers and years and themes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So... I got books like, I got a book that's, I got a Jack Curiat book that's like 10 pages long. And shit is like a $300 pamphlet, bro. You heard? Yeah. So I, I'm fucking with beatnik shit. I got all type of shit, man. I got the poster. <clears throat> I got original poster from the Basquiat and Warhol show from the Tony Shafrazi show and Vishka Berger in 1983. You heard? That shit. Shit yeah. like that. You're like a so,
2: collector, shit.
3: Serious. I got pictures of, real pictures of Muhammad Ali that my daddy took at the Savior's Day in 1975 with Step Fetching. You know, I got a lot of pictures. Of, you know what I mean? I just found the, uh, um, my mother's friend, Rumantha, used to deal, God bless her, both, um, used to deal with Richard Pryor and Muhammad Ali. I just found the picture of Rumantha with Richard Pryor. You know what I'm saying? Really? So this stuff I'm gonna blow up and have Holy available shit. so people can see. it. I got pictures of Whitney, Branford, and all of that. A lot of stuff. I got some shit.
2: That's. Cr- I can't wait to see that. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. You, for real. if you're looking for a good book, you should read this book. I, I would. I'll send it to you after this. I'll ask for your address. I'll send you the book. It's called Running the Light. It's by uh, a stand-up comedian, but it's about like being a hard like coke addicted drug like a coke addicted alcoholic fucking road comic like just traveling to the worst shows and it's yeah. one of the best books of novels i've ever written uh read yeah it just came out it's really good it's by a guy sam Talent.
3: okay i feel like you'll
2: yeah. enjoy it i feel like you'll enjoy it
3: yeah 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 <laughs>
2: Thank you for, for coming. I really it was awesome meeting at the Buffalo Kids Gallery because I had been a fan. that was a that was a crazy a crazy day. That was an awesome experience.
3: That was an awesome experience for the history of the craft, bro. I've never seen no hip hop personage from old or new have a retail experience like that with those type of intelligent youth crowds. Yeah. You <sighs> Yeah. It was peaceful. It was like a huge family reunion where we just was meeting people that we were in a community and now we know each other. You know what I'm saying? For yeah. real, for real. Yeah,
2: because that was a historic moment. Like there was just an energy there. So many yeah. people were there. I mean, so yeah. many people were there. And I it brought, promise. It put Buffalo back on. Like Buffalo's a major rap city now.
3: It is. That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. And Low key, I go to Buffalo. Gonna tell you, I'll be popping up in Buffalo just to go vintage shopping. That's another thing. The next time we in Buffalo, next time we in Buffalo, remember what I said—that some of the illest collectibles in the world, bro, in Buffalo. I haven't—I have even seen twenty-five hundred-year-old Egyptian artifacts. That are offered for retail for any consumer in Buffalo.
2: Why Buffalo? That's real. <laughs> Why That's real? Buffalo? It's
3: isolated. It's it's isolated, and then it's it's a confluence of. It's almost right to another country. It's right there as well, Canada. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it's like, it's it's like if something gets, and then they have universities up there. Yeah. You know? So when like teachers and for teacher. Who's traveled the world, passes away, say in the 50s and 60s and 70s, their stuff gets stuck in that city. Yeah. So imagine students who go to school, they're record collectors and shit like this. You're in a school, record collector, buying sneakers and shit. Now it's time you graduate, it's time to leave. You're not taking that shit with you. They hock it, sell it for dirt cheap or close to nothing, or give it to the, to the um, goodwills, right? And then it just ends up in the sea of retail. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So collectibles of all types of stuff. I'm really giving too much trade crap with my collectible <laughs> shit, but <laughs> no, no more extension.
2: Yeah, we, we can yeah, get the. Uh, but you uh, know what,
3: yeah, but you know what <laughs> happens is no matter how much we laid out the playbook, people, if you're not interested in spending your money, large amounts of money on things like like. Bro, I went back there and bought I bought about no bullshit man. I'm not playing with you. About six hundred dollars worth of G.I. Joes, bro. You heard (laughs) on one trip. Damn. Just and that's this the Joe's. You heard that's this the Joe's. Yo, this is me who been to jail, been to prison, and all of this. I swear to god, I bought a Pee-wee's playhouse, the full set. With the Pee Wee Herman on, on the scooter. It's a collectible, though. Come but what on year on, is that, bro? <laughs> it, it, it got to be 85, 86. Oh, are you going to put that up? Yeah, that's going in the museum. Yeah. That, you bought that in Buffalo?
2: Yes. Damn. Yes. A lot of Pee Wee Herman fans in Buffalo. Yo,
3: shut up. <laughs> 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 For real. And the town I bought it from... The town I bought it from is called Tanawanda. You heard? Okay. So Tanawanda is a very interesting town because it's it's Buffalo, but it's like outskirts of Buffalo. Do you, you think, think they have the saying? Cherry Jerk Dolphin? Holy shit, the Cherry Jerk Dolphin? <laughs> what is
2: that from? <laughs> he got arrested for jerking off in a movie theater, Pee Wee Herman.
3: Yeah, I, I remember. So I, I remember. didn't
2: know if the at this uh at this um Pee Wee Herman a vintage store they had the chair that he jerked off in for sale because that could be a yeah. collector's
3: item yeah we- Wee is a weirdo yeah that's my <laughs> sometimes man. the
2: jokes don't land Sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 you win some you lose some that's all yeah, i can yeah, say yeah. oh yeah how you feel yeah. how are those mushrooms feeling how much did you take
3: um I want to say it was probably a gram maybe well oh, that's a much good much. amount you can still yeah. like
2: you can still handle on a gram I don't like taking like hero doses I just want to take yeah. a gram and chill No ours. I
3: did that No you want to hear a funny story I did that and I went to this documentary called The Twerkumentary <laughs> at the Wiltern Theater right Yeah and I I was with my homeboy Charlie and I promise you, I had a few dollars on me. I don't know what the fuck. I think I was showing off something, yeah. And I hadn't drank beer all that day, so I was like, "Oh, this is a great time to eat almost an eighth of mushrooms and chase it with two IPAs, right?" No, and go watch a Yeah, and go watch a documentary called the Twerking right? <laughs> so why the fuck did I do that, right? <laughs> I, I ate the, I ate the mushroom, right? Yeah. And I swear to God, I go in there and it was these two big girls, big mamas with their thighs, like juicy ass thighs and shit. So the mushrooms is hitting me. So everything is like hypersensitive to me. Right. So I'm sitting there talking to these girls like I know them my whole life. and I started feeling like I wanted to lay down on their legs and shit. I didn't do that, <laughs> but I started feeling like, like they knew me. <laughs> I, so I feel like they know me and they, they was like, oh, they were so motherly. Like, the mushrooms is fucking me up, right? So kind of find out now that I know now, I've littered them out. So they had moved from where I was, I was with me and my homeboy was sitting. He was like, yo, you yeah. tripping, right? So I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good, right? I swear to God, here comes the movie now. The movie starts, right? Yeah. And then the movie comes on. And the girl, her name is spaghetti who did it. She does music videos, too, right? She did something for a few famous, like, um, hip-hop artists, young people mm-hmm. and shit. And she has an Italian accent, right? Yeah. And she's talking about how she looked up the word twerk on the computer and Googled it, and it sent her to... A sex shop that sells fake booties. <laughs> so this is like some old search optimization or some shit, right? This is like she said, "What's the first thing?" Like she was, she thought twerk was the thing she could buy. So she was like twerk and shopping. So then it sent her, and she went and got it. Was the one? This is the documentary. The <laughs> of- yeah, it's in the documentary. Exactly, like fake booties and shit. So mm. I'm like, I'm high as fuck, bro. And I'm like, yo, this shit is starting crazy. Right? So I'm like. <laughs> Twerking, last time I checked, twerking got to do with, like, you know, black women. You know, people in the hood shaking yeah, their not, ass.
2: Not non-Italian <laughs> women.
3: <laughs> right, all of a sudden, I swear to God, the shit, I'm hot. the shit goes right to Kaya, my neck, my back. <laughs> so Kaya's in there. So I'm like, okay, you answer my prayers with that shit, right? So then, I promise you, the shit goes all the way into... Into they had them twerking in Russia. They was twerking in Japan. You heard? They, it was subtitles. It, uh, next thing you know, twerking is some shit that's shared by all women on the fucking planet, right? <laughs> He's so twerking across the world, I, yeah, they twerking <laughs> across the world, right? So I literally was in there, and I swear to God, like I got, I started getting emotional, right? And I was like, look at this, like, I swear to God. I was like, it was the acoustics in the movie theater was making everything that I'm whispering sound loud. So I'm sounding weird, like I'm whispering to my homeboy, and I'm like, look at this shit. Look at all this exploitation. Look, I start getting emotionally attached to this shit, right? Like this, like, I'm thinking like I'm God now. Like, oh, put these butts away. Like this, (laughs) like. Right? So I swear to God. So I was like this. People was like, come on. Like, you know, they was doing that shit. So I don't know if you notice with mushrooms, they make you hypersensitive to people's emotions as well.
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, Bro, I, I kicked myself you out yeah.
3: the theater. I kicked myself out the theater. You grab your, I was like this. Just, yeah, uh, <laughs> grab my own shirt and I was like this. Yeah. Get the fuck out, right? <laughs> and I tell you, it was the most intense Walk home. I walked home. I walked the equivalent of uh, about three and a half miles, maybe three miles. You heard? I walked home and emoting. You heard? Just thinking of all those twerking asses. No, it just starts going into other um, streams of thought. I, I start seeing, I'm walking home and I'm seeing homeless people, homeless black people. I start thinking like, oh my God, the whole world got us homeless. Like this, like all type of emotional shit, like people mm-hmm. are turmoil and shit, and then you need that. You need a brain fart, yeah, so you can get grounded sometime and have a little bit of appreciation for the world around you. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So that's the last time I took one of them hero doses. Like I don't fuck around. You know what I'm saying? Like that? No, it's not. I rather like this micro dose, bro. For real, fuck it.
2: That's the best. The last time I tripped I went to the Natural History Museum in New York and yeah. just looked at that that was crazy looking at the animals and the history and you just like feel everything around you. But
3: man, yeah. I can't
2: do the I can't do the big doses anymore. <laughs> That's not. Yeah. I'll kick yeah. myself out of a theater. It won't. Right. Right. Man, thank you for talk. I really do appreciate you coming on and I got to, you know, I'm a, I want to come out and see your museum when it opens up. And yeah. uh, I got to when you do that book tour, I'm going to pop out because I'd Hell love to yeah. uh, I'd love to do this in person sometime.
3: Hell, yeah. Well, we're going to have the space to accommodate it. Yeah. So just bring the mic and then we just call sis. Sis, hook it up. Send the link. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? And we <laughs> yeah, live. she did. For she got
2: it all done, man. Thank you so much. Uh, what's your do you want to plug your your? um? social media and everything
3: yeah they can find me at a. A. Rashid art a-a-r-a-s-h-i-d-a-r-t art and um i do have a website that's my myson.com that's my son like s-u-n.com and people can um tap in in a few days and get far more information from that you know but i generally just I'm in the DM. Is this live now or do you go to telecast it later?
2: Well, t- no, I'll put it out later. It'll come out uh, probably next week or so.
3: Awesome. Awesome. That's dope. For real. So,
2: yeah. And everyone, make sure to follow you on Instagram because you have some of the dopest clothing, too. I love your Thank you. I love your clothes. You're a, a great designer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank
3: and you. And see, for we real. have so
2: much more to talk about, but
3: we'll, we'll leave it for yeah. the next
2: time. We'll leave it in person. but. Thank Hell you so yeah. much. I I really appreciate you coming on, and I hope you have a good uh good rest of your night, man.
3: Thank you, bro. I'm just taking the picture of us. I just screenshot something so I nope. can put it on the internet and then tag you in and show, let the people know we. I, I finally got on the podcast. I'm lit now. Perfect. I promise. You, yeah, you. you're on the podcast. <laughs> thank you.
2: Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. All right. All right. All right peace. peace